It must have been surprised when a leadership received the lawsuit. It was a giant Christian denomination, and the lawsuit came from two missionaries. One complained that while on the mission field, he had developed digestive issues and ulcers because of the food he had to eat in the country of his calling. I've been there, I've been overseas, and some of the food is, let's just say, an adventure. The lawsuit claimed that the denomination who sent him as a missionary must reimburse him for what he had lost. The other missionary claimed that the many years of service in the tropical regions where she was called caused her to develop skin cancer. She followed legal counsel that encouraged her to demand reparations from her church denomination for what they called job-related illnesses. When the leaders of this denomination met to prepare a legal defense against these allegations, one of them grieved that the former workers who at one time vowed and pledged that they would even give their lives if they had to for the cause of the gospel and missions now demanded that the denomination give them back what they had lost, all for the cause of the gospel. What about us? To what extent should we be willing to give ourselves for Jesus? How much does God expect of a believer? How much can we learn from the examples set by Jesus' first disciples and what he required of them? The word disciple is thrown around quite a bit. And because the Bible uses that word disciple and shows the importance of being a disciple, every believer should want to be a disciple. But sadly, as with most things people don't understand, believers often assume they are disciples just because they're believers. But being a good parent means more than just having a child with our last name. Being a disciple is more than just another label a person adopts. Certain values, certain actions define us whether we are true disciples of Jesus Christ or not. Let's take a look at the first disciples. You know, that dream dozen, that dream team Jesus handpicked and recruited. And let's see how what Jesus taught them can give us a healthy sense of our role and our call as we serve him as disciples to learn what God expected of them and what he expects of us. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you're having a good week so far. Hopefully, it's more tropical than wintry where you are. You are listening to the God's Word for Life companion podcast, and I'm your host, L.J. Harry. Today's episode comes from the lesson dated February 20th, 2022, and it is entitled Choosing to Be a Disciple. If you have your God's Word for Life companion student guide there, would you please locate that lesson? And if you don't have it, we are going to be reading out of the book of Luke, chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 13 to 16. So if you have your Bible or you just want to listen, I will read it to you and for you. Or if you have your student guide, let's turn there. Luke, chapter 6, verse 13. And when it was day, Jesus called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles. Just curious, I wonder how many of the disciples we could name. There are 12 of them. Let's see how many do you get. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, 
James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes, or Simon the Zealot, and Judas the brother of James, and, of course, the infamous Judas Iscariot, whom Luke calls the traitor. Those are the 12. How did you do? Did you get all 12? Did you miss a few? Did you have a couple in there that you're like, well, I never heard of that guy. Well, some of the disciples, there's very little we know about them in Scripture, except Jesus called them and they followed. Well, one of the first things that leads somebody to being a disciple is characteristic that's mentioned in Luke chapter 5. A crowd developed around Jesus, eager for one thing. They wanted to hear from God. The word of God meant so much to these people that they pressed in to see and to hear Jesus. They pushed aside other things from their day and even pushed other people out of the way because they were hungry for the word of God. Their spiritual hunger began to push Jesus into a place of physical danger, so he found a solution. Rather than let the mob push him into the water, he rose above it. He used the most advanced sound system of his time. It was better than the Behringer X32 digital board of his time. Jesus spoke from a boat to the crowd who gathered around him on the sloped bank of the lake. Speaking from a boat across the still waters was a form of public address. It was a great way for Jesus to teach all the people and for all the people to hear him. If that's the case, this boat belonged to Simon Peter. Simon Peter's the one who pushed him out into the water on the boat. That means Simon Peter was the first sound man. If he could keep the boat at the right distance for everybody to hear, Peter gladly was the guy turning the knobs and pushing the faders and the levels to make sure everybody could hear Jesus. Saying we should press in to the word of God, it may not stir really the right motivation. Reading the Bible from a sense of guilt or even a sense of duty, it can't compare to being drawn to it by a spiritual hunger and a love for God, a love for his word. Nobody told these people they had to come to hear Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus. If we struggle with the desire to hear from God, whether through Scripture or through prayer or through both, we simply need to revisit the wonder of who He is. When the Word of God, who was Jesus, spoke about the Word of God, the Scriptures, the message of God came alive. The closer we are to Jesus, the more the Bible will live as we read it. Think about your own life. Are you drawn to the scriptures or are you driven to them by obligation or by duty or by guilt? Oh, I forgot to read my Bible today. Tomorrow I'll do better. I'll do better. Or are you drawn to the scriptures? I can't wait to see what God has to say to me today. Jesus didn't walk to the sea that day just to speak some random facts or just to regurgitate information. His message brought real change real transformation. It wouldn't be enough for him to speak, but he came with power for real needs. He moved directly from speaking to addressing Peter's failure. Peter didn't catch any fish on the night shift. And the Lord's solution, let's send Peter back out to fish some more for the day shift. Peter, he was the fisherman. Jesus, Jesus was the preacher. I'll leave the preaching to you, Jesus. You leave the fishing to me. So Peter explained to Jesus how fruitless his fishing expedition had been. But something changed in his response. Jesus asked him, try again, Peter. Go cast your nets again. And Peter agreed, even though he thought in his heart, this is ridiculous. There's no way the fish are biting right now. They would have bitten at night, but not during the day. It's too hot. It's too early. There's no way. But Peter swallowed hard. He nodded. 
he went back out with a couple of his fellows, and they cast a net. Jesus said, cast nets. Peter said, let's humor this guy. Let's throw one in the water and let him know the fish aren't there. And when he did, though, Peter gasped. These elusive fish that had eluded him all night long suddenly showed up in massive numbers. For the expert fisherman, his embarrassment gave way to amazement. This was a miracle. How in the world did he do this or know where the fish were? Jesus was showing himself as more powerful than even Simon Peter in his own domain. Peter was the fisherman, Jesus was the preacher, and yet Jesus had control over nature. Peter was unworthy of his passenger, and he realized that he told Jesus to get off the boat. That's a strange response. You would think since Peter hauled in such a haul of fish that Peter would say, Hey, hey, Jesus, let's go on the road with this. Better yet, let's go on the sea. How about you and I? We go into business together. You tell me where they are, and I'll cast the nets. I'll split it 50-50. But instead, Peter realized, I'm not worthy of this man. And he called Jesus Lord, and he asked him to get off his boat. (laughs) Not because Jesus wasn't worthy to be on the same boat, but because Peter wasn't worthy to be on the same boat. Jesus also came to us when we were worn out from trying to make life work. What do you suppose Jesus is trying to teach us by word and action? Jesus didn't take offense at Peter's knee-jerk response. He probably smiled. It only looked like Jesus was destroying the nets and the boats, but instead he was preparing Peter for a new trade. He was going to be a fisher of men, not just fish. Peter wasn't the only one overwhelmed in that moment. So were Andrew, James, and John, his business partners. To them and to disciples today, Jesus still says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Next, Peter, James, John, and Andrew show us how to do discipleship correctly. They forsook all things. They left it all on the beach. They walked away from an income that landed them above most wage earners in Israel. They left behind a social identity, an established business reputation, a stable financial future, and they left it all just to follow Jesus. What about you? What have you left behind to follow Jesus? Today, Jesus calls us as disciples to forsake all. When he called the fishermen, he did not say, all right, guys, go ahead, let's take some inventory, what would you like to give up for me? He simply said, follow me. He chose for them to leave everything behind. Many people won't serve God until they've let go of what makes them comfortable. Anybody who loves something more than God will not become everything God wants that person to be. They truly cannot be his disciple. There was a husband and wife who started to attend church services together and become a part of a church family. And God immediately softened the husband's heart, and he opened his heart to be filled with the Spirit of God. And his wife wanted that same experience. She wanted the change that she saw in her husband. But she never had one of these breakthrough moments in the presence of the Lord like her husband had. So her husband and the pastor, they gathered to pray about whatever she was facing, and God spoke to the pastor and told him the woman loved something more than she loved God. She loved her horse. The woman's husband was disappointed when he heard this. He said, Pastor, she's never going to give up that horse. And she didn't. That horse was one thing in her life. Even if it was just the only thing, it was still the one thing in her life she loved more than her relationship with God. But then 
All of a sudden, the horse became ill and it lay down in the field. No medical explanation, no prior sickness. It just lay down in the field. And day and night, she sat with a horse trying to nurse it back to health. But after a few days, her horse died. When she recovered from the shock and grief of losing a horse she loved so much, God filled her with his spirit. There was one thing in her life that she put ahead of God, and it was her horse. Sometimes, and it may seem cruel and we may not understand, but sometimes the Lord has to remove things in our life that have become an idol, some things in our life that we were unwilling to place below him in order for us to truly follow him. What about you? Is God calling you to forsake anything in order to follow him? In their day, much like present day, rulers in certain regions set up workers to collect duty or customs for them, taxes basically. A tax collector of that time would have a booth near a market on a road or near a port, and the fishermen had to pay taxes or the custom dues on the fish they brought in to sell. And not only do people hate paying taxes now, they hated paying taxes then. And worse yet, their fellow Jews many times would sell out to the Romans to be their tax collectors for them. So in this area of Capernaum, a man by the name of Levi, we also know him as Matthew, he sat in his tax collector booth. Jesus called Matthew to follow him. And once again, we see Jesus interrupting somebody at work. It could be Jesus looks for people who are busy at work. A lazy disciple is not a disciple. A true disciple must have discipline. Jesus called Matthew to follow him, and he did. Matthew left it all. He followed Jesus, and he fell in stride with Peter, Andrew, James, and John. The same guys who used to pay Matthew their taxes were now following Jesus with Matthew. That's, that's a bit of an odd team, but Jesus handpicked them. Because Jesus often calls us to overcome our clashes and our racism or our prejudice or our biases against each other. We can't experience the full power of the gospel unless we learn to do life with people whose personalities clash with ours. The power of Jesus helps us overcome old hatreds, old wounds, old prejudices. The one who loved his enemies even while dying now lives in us to love our enemies through us. Has the Lord ever helped you have patience with people and love people you once had difficulty loving, maybe were even racist against? Well, when the religious elite began whining about Jesus spending time with outsiders, he explained to them his values. He explained that healthy people don't need a physician, but those who are sick, Luke 5, verses 30 through 31. First, we follow Jesus, then we serve others. If as believers we settle into this comfortable area of close friends in our faith, we shut out those who need the faith the most. Jesus seeks for and loves all people and offers salvation to whosoever will. In prayer, the Spirit of God can shape our mind, our understanding. After an all-night prayer meeting, Jesus called his disciples. He identified 12 of them as apostles, Luke 6, verses 12 through 13. And the truth is, Jesus is still calling disciples today. First, he calls us to follow him. Then, he commissions us to represent him. It is interesting to note Jesus chose 12 and named them apostles. Often in scripture, the Lord changed somebody's name to reflect their new identity. Do you remember when God changed Jacob's name to Israel? Changed his name from a cheater 
deceiver to a prince who has power with God? We refer to this spiritual identity often as our calling, and God has a specific calling for each of us. And there's one particular notable change in one of the apostles. Luke 6.14 says, Simon, whom he also named Peter, because the name Peter means rock. His calling and identity were later confirmed when Jesus addressed Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This rock of Matthew 16 is directly tied to this revelation when Peter said, you are the Christ, and Jesus said, and you are right, and you are Peter. And it will be upon this rock, this rock of revelation of the mighty God in Jesus Christ, I'll build my church. Jesus was confirming Peter's calling to declare who Jesus is and carry these keys of salvation to the world which officially began on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached to those who were in Jerusalem. Just as he did for Simon Peter, God will give a specific calling to each of us. And yours may be different than mine, but God has called all of us to preach the gospel to every creature using the gifts and the callings he has given each of us. What about you? What does Jesus call you to do and to be? He doesn't call you according to your past labels. Jesus did not just name his disciples to help their self-esteem. Their names held meaning for others who met them after their close encounters with Jesus. Simon may have appeared to be shaky or impulsive or impetuous or speak before you think, but Jesus taught the others to see him as Peter, the rock. Jesus gives each of us a new identity, then commissions each of us to a new calling. We can't live up to our purpose if we refuse to see ourselves the way he sees us. How does Jesus see you? Okay, let's wrap this up. Another one, God changed his name, Abram. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, father of a multitude, and he did so when Abram had no children. To accept his new identity was to accept by faith how God saw him. Because at that point, he's got no kids. He's not the father of a multitude. He's not the father of many. He's not the father of one. But he will be. It's easy to believe how great God is. But it's a whole new level of faith to believe what he says about us as individuals. Faith in God is believing him enough to trust what he sees in us and plans to do through us. Abraham had to leave behind a city familiar to him to go to a city unfamiliar a city whose builder and maker was God. Disciples of Jesus, we are willing to leave everything behind, whether it's piles of fish or piles of money or religious cliques, to be close to Jesus. And the closer we draw to him, the more clearly we hear his plan for our lives. Peter followed. He began working for Jesus with just a boat ride. Then his faith was stretched far beyond what he believed Jesus could do through him. Later, the master called Peter to be his representative. Then he gave Peter the message to preach at Pentecost. It begins with the small things. A boat ride eventually turned out one day to be a couple books in the New Testament. Disciples are not classroom students alone. Disciples are trained for a mission like military cadets. Our commander has given us everything we need for life, for godliness, gave us his nature according to Second Peter, which, by the way, Peter wrote. We must simply lean into the identity God has shared with us by His Spirit and in His name. 
Jesus is calling and commissioning. How will you respond? Will you leave behind the old life? Go ahead. Leave behind the old life and live the new identity Jesus has given you. Would you pray with me right now and ask the Lord to help us to follow him? Leave behind whatever we need to leave behind and follow him to what he has called us to do and called us to be. Lord Jesus, you are the Lord. I pray, God, be close to us today. We want to follow you, want to hear your voice, want to do your will, want to go wherever you send us, want to do whatever you tell us. We want to be what you've called us to be. Help every one of us to be a disciple, to be a follower, to be willing to lay aside and leave behind whatever you're calling us to, just to follow you. Jesus, I do pray for everyone listening that we would follow you and hear your voice and do your will. Continue to lead us through the small things into the great things. May everything we do be for your glory and for the cause, this holy cause of discipleship. I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope this episode has been a blessing to you. Please be sure to click subscribe and share. That way you can share this with others and let it be a blessing to them. Also, whenever you click subscribe, that makes sure you don't miss any time an episode drops. So on your phone or your tablet or maybe even your fax machine, if you've still got one, you'll see a notification that says a new episode from God's Word for Life is waiting for you to listen and grow in your faith. Speaking of resources, why don't you head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. You'll find books, devotionals, of course, Bibles, Bible studies. You'll find great resources to help you grow in your faith and help others grow in theirs. So head over to PentecostalPublishing.com for those resources. Next week, we continue following the men who followed Jesus as we wrap up our series called Following Jesus. That's a whole lot of following, and we're going to do that. We're going to take a look at that episode next week. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.